Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Did you notice something different that time? Do you like that? We are back. This is Tyler Chef. I am your host. We are at the Cashflow Guys Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about two-part episode. We're going to talk about finding leads that lead to real estate deals coming up when we come back. All right, we are back. Let's go ahead and get started. Now, you know, people are probably going to be wondering, why did you chop up your intro? Well, why I chopped it up, frankly, is because I'm excited. And the second part is, I know you fast forward through it anyway, because it was too damn long. And at the end of the day, let's be honest, markets changing, things are happening, things are things are, are getting kind of crazy out there, are they not? So I want to spare your time. I want to get right to it and get started. This week, I want to talk about lead generation. Now, I've talked about that Facebook ads, all the different things out there, the fancy this, the fancy that, the sexy this, the sexy that. At the end of the day, I want to talk to you about going back to old school basics, getting back to focusing on building relationships with people. If you, in case you haven't been paying attention, there is about to be a shift in the marketplace. We are going to see a downturn in the economy. I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that there will be a market correction coming soon. When it happens, nobody knows. Anybody's guessing. Folks on, on Facebook, you got people in one camp saying there's never nothing's going to happen. Folks in the other camp are like, nope, it's going to tank. I'm somewhere in the middle. I absolutely know that there's going to be a correction. How big of a correction? Nobody honestly knows. Anybody that would, would be absolute would be simply guessing. But I can tell you this. The way of generating leads, the things that you're doing now, are going to have to change. You're going to have to bend with the times. And when you see fluctuations in the marketplace, when you see differences out there, when things are not consistent, when things become more challenging, uh, then you have to change your strategy. You have to change your tactic. And the one thing that never, ever seems to fail is good old-fashioned shaking hands and talking to people. And I want to start, first of all, by covering active versus uh, passive lead generation because I'm going to use those terms throughout this episode. This, Like I said, this is going to be a two-part episode Lots to cover. I'm going to break this into two episodes to make it easier for you guys to to uh, stomach. So let's start with the differences between active and passive lead generation. Now, I did a Facebook Live on this uh, this past week, and I got a lot of good feedback on it. So I thought I would make it into a podcast episode that so you guys would have access to the information. I know a lot of you are not on Facebook, might be missing out. We want to make sure that doesn't happen. So let's go ahead and kick off. Active versus lead, uh, passive lead generation. Now, in my opinion, uh, active lead generation is when you're in front of folks and when you're just sending things out or you're doing billboards and mailings, I'm going to call that passive because basically you're, you're, you're what they call the spray and pray method. You're spraying the marketplace with, with uh, whatever your message is, hoping to God that someone's going to pay attention, right? They're going to listen and see what's going on. Now that said, I will, I want to, I want to kind of, before we get going here, before anybody gets their, their panties in a twist, I want to make sure that you understand that there's no such thing as bad marketing. In other words, all forms of marketing work. It really comes down to to what degree do they work, and more importantly, how much does it cost? What's your ROI? What do you what do you what's in it for you? What do you get back for your marketing dollar? Now, all kinds of different ways you can advertise. You can do billboards. You can do bandit signs. You can do all these different things. You can do direct mail. All these things either cost money or time. And folks, let's be honest, time is money. So there's no such thing as free. First of all, let's get that out of our mind. No such thing as free. Time is money. That said, direct mail usually has a very low engagement rate. That means that you have to put a lot of pieces out. You have to do a lot of actions. You got to lick a lot of stamps. 
to get some action. I know people, I talked to a guy the other day, guy's a wholesaler and he's dropping a hundred grand a month on his marketing, hundred thousand dollars a month. I can't imagine, I can't imagine spending a hundred thousand dollars a month on anything, let alone marketing. It, it, I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, but in the episode, he talks about if one thing goes wrong, his whole world collapses, right? Because that's all he's got. I mean, he's basically buying his money. He's buying his paycheck. He's solely dependent on his marketing on direct mail to make it happen. So he's got all his eggs in one basket. Well, folks, what's going to happen when there's a market shift? He's in trouble. He's going to be in deep trouble. But I don't want to spoil it for you. If you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you do. Uh, That'll be uh, REI Diamonds episode with Dan Breslin. But that said, I want to talk about direct mail. So you send direct mail out. And what a lot of investors do, they do that spray and pray I was just talking about. You'll get some direct, you'll get a postcard together. You'll go on yellow, yellow letters or bigger pockets or whatever. And you'll come up with some fancy letter that's going to change the world. It's guaranteed to be used. You got it off a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. How could it possibly not work? Because, you know, we're suckered you in. And then uh, you do that. You send this out one time and then the phone rings and you're thinking, this is awesome. So you spend a thousand dollars. You send in a thousand pieces of mail. People are like, wait, Tyler. No, no, no. It only costs like 47 cents a piece to send mail out. Yeah, but you got to buy the piece. You got to do the paper, the postage, all these different things. So at the end of the day, you can figure your marketing costs should be somewhere around a dollar a piece. So if you send a, if you set a, and I know you can get it done cheaper. I get that. But you got to do a lot of volume to get it cheaper. You got to truncate your, the size of your pieces. You got to really scale back. So let's just use a dollar for easy math because at the end of the day, I'm not that smart. It's easy for me to say a dollar a piece. $1,000 is a thousand people, right? See how quick I can whip that out? Real easy. Anyway, so we're, the guy's going to go out and spend $1,000 to do marketing. He's going to sit back and wait. The 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 uh, the spray and, and, and wait philosophy. So that's fine. He sits back. The phone rings. He gets, let's say he gets 20 phone calls, and which is great. You know, 20 phone calls, phones ringing. Let's say he gets 200 phone calls. Let's go crazy. Let's say he just gets 200 phone calls. He's tickled pink. It's the best thing ever. He's going to get rich overnight. What could possibly go wrong? This will be awesome. Can't wait. Well, here's the problem. Out of those 200 phone calls, I would probably say half of those are probably going to be, how did you get my information? I don't know why people ask those questions. It, it's, what does it matter how I got your information? It's called public records. <laughs> how do people not know the answer to that question? It's 2018. Um, I, you know, 2018, hello, public information's everywhere. I could tell any listener right now to this this podcast what your social security number is, your date of birth, and probably approximately what your bank account balance is. If you give me about 15, 15 minutes on the dark web, you could probably find out all kinds of good stuff about people. Not that I'd want to, but I'm just saying information is everywhere. We are in the information age. It's everywhere. There's nothing you can do to stop it, so you might as well just get behind it. So you will get, let's say, a good number. Let's say 50 60% of those people are like, how did you get my information? Well, Mr. Jones, I got it from the public records. Oh, well, I'm not willing to sell. Great. So that means of the people that, that reached out to you, half of them are, how did you get my information? Go away. The other half, or let's say 25, 30% of those are going to be like, yo, um, take me off your list. I can't believe, why are you calling me? Go away. What's wrong with you? Bottom feeder. And they're going to beat you up and, and carry on because that you're cold marketing to them, right? You don't know them. They don't know you. They get your letter in the mail. You catch them on a bad day. They've been on Facebook all day being a Facebook warrior. And they get your your little thing in the mail, and they get all mad. They call you and leave nasty grams on your on your voicemail. Next thing you know, you're a victim. You're on public assistance, and you're just a sad sack. And it's everybody else's fault that you're poor. And boo hoo. Boy, did I digress on that one, huh? Anyway, 
Direct mail, it works, but it's expensive. And here's the thing. You got to do it, the rule of sevens. And I learned this from a guy by the name of Dev Horn. And he's a, I would call him a pretty, pretty knowledgeable direct mail guy. He's done a lot of it. He taught me a lot about it. You got to hit him at least seven times. I say closer to 10 times to make it really sink in because otherwise you're like every other schmo. Your postcard is along with everybody else's postcard on the kitchen table or in the trash can, depending on how you look at it. Maybe if you get a picture of a cute puppy, or you do a horsey letter like Robin Thompson talks about. Robin Thompson is the, they call her the queen of rehab. And Robin Thompson has a picture of a horse or animals on her, on her mailings. And that causes people to hang on to them because, you know, it's got a picture of, of uh, Mr. Ed on there or something. And apparently that causes people to hang on to them. Who knew? Who am I to judge? All I know is it works. It obviously makes her a lot of money. A woman's got a million, multi-million dollar ranch somewhere in Ocala. Lots of horses running around. So, hey, if it works, why not? But the bottom line is you're going to put a lot of money out and you're not going to really get bombarded with leads. So the success rate, in other words, you may get a, a good opt-in. Let's say 200 people reach out. But like I said, you're going to get those. How did you get my information? Those folks, <laughs> that's not who you want. You're not going to make a nickel from them. And at the end of the day, they're probably going to ruin your day. You're going to be a special snowflake. You're going to get all offended by them in the first place. So why bother, right? That's not a great way of doing things. It's a way of doing things. But in my opinion, I don't think the ROI is there. It's not worth my time. So with that, let's move on to bandit signs. Bandit signs, again, that's kind of a place and in, 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 in wait. You stick your bandit sign out there in the street. Some realtor probably get jealous and take it down. Or some neighborhood uh, warrior will decide that you don't have the right to do that and then steal your sign. So you're going to lose a number of them just for that alone. Then you're going to have the bandit sign police out there, code enforcement, we had a guy in our town recently got hit like $500 fine per sign. I think he had, I don't know, 10 of them. So he shelled out $5,000 in fines. Whoopsie. Sucks to be him. Uh, does it work? Absolutely. Do you get a lot of phone calls? Yeah, but at least you don't have to worry about people calling saying, where did you get my information? At least they, you won't be getting those calls, but you'll be probably getting phone calls going you know, from code enforcement maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? But they call them bandit signs for a reason. Anyway, that said, Let's go to active lead generation. And I call active lead generation is basically out there shaking hands, kissing babies, building rapport. You know, building rapport, that whole thing where you talk to people, like really have a conversation with like real people that are standing and breathing. And you say, hey, my name is Tyler. I buy properties that for people that are having financial trouble. I buy properties at a discount. I buy properties and, and I help busy people with apartment buildings come up with whatever your your spiel will be based on the person you're talking to. I help busy attorneys sell the properties that they that their clients want to get rid of. Whatever it is, come up with something that makes some sort of logical sense, appeals to the masses, and use it as your elevator pitch, right? So the first question I'm going to ask you about lead generation is, who knows what you're looking for? There's a reason why you're generating leads. I don't care if you're a wholesaler, a flipper, if you're an actual investor, I don't consider a wholesaler or a flipper an investor, first of all. I know that I'm going to probably lose 20 subscribers out of that, but I really don't care. Because at the end of the day, you're not investing in anything. You're just doing a quick flip. You know, the investors are the ones that buy an asset, and then they have the responsibility of keeping it profitable over decades. That, to me, that's that's an investor. That's, that's a, an intelligent individual that is good at managing assets. Not to say that rehabbers aren't intelligent although I might be saying that in about six months, but who knows. But I'm not saying that today, so calm down. Just just chill out. Don't pick up the box of Kleenex just yet. I'm 
you know, I know you're a special snowflake and, and you've made gazillions of dollars in, in flipping and I'm an idiot, but you know, regardless, I don't have to go to work tomorrow for my money. Do you have to go swing a hammer? Ha ha. That said, how many people know your exact buying criteria? You're buying for some reason. If you're a wholesaler, you're getting things under contract for some reason, which means if nobody knows what you're looking for, guess what? It ain't coming your way. So how do we fix that? Well, we educate to dominate it. I learned that from Jay Massey. We get out there and we talk to people. We have a conversation with people. When things turn, the market, when the market turns, everybody's going to have to work a lot harder that's doing things the way they are now. If what you're doing now is probably not going to work, which means that you're going to have to work harder at getting commitments. You know why? Because buyers, when the market starts to turn, buyers are going to get flaky. Buyers are going to see if I've got a deal one minute, and then somebody else comes and offers a deal that's 5000 less than mine because their seller's more motivated than mine, guess what? where are my buyers going to go? They're going to be chasing it down to the bottom. That's what happens. It's happened before, folks. So this is not Tyler being a, 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 a prophet or trying to predict the future. This is just history repeating itself, I hate to tell you. You can't say that we've learned our lesson as a country because we're back to the same type of situations we're in. Therefore, Lead generation is going to become more and more important every single day as time progresses, as you see economic changes that are not just related to the housing market, folks. It's also going to be related to the lending market as well. These things are going to happen. You're just going to have to suck it up, buttercup, and get used to it. Wholesalers, if you decide that you want to stay in business, realtors, if you want to be able to have houses to sell, you better get really good at lead generation really, really fast. You should have a yellow pad out right now, taking notes, getting it done. Now, you understand, deals are not going to arrive at your door. No one's going to be knocking on your door going, hey, uh, Susie, the, the real estate broker, nice glamour shot, love it. Hey, so uh, see, I got a Mercedes out front. Would you like to list my, my, uh, my golf course property there, sweetie? No, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to go out there and generate leads. No, Going on Zillow and giving them tens of thousands of dollars a month is not going to reach your bottom line because guess what? Not everybody's going to be buying property. When a lot of people aren't buying property, what happens to those all that, that money you're spending in Zillow? It goes down the toilet. It goes down really, really quick. So you're going to have to get out there and add value to folks. Okay, You're going to have to grab these leads and you're going to have to figure out a way to add value to these nice people. How do we do that? Well, by number one, show, doing what you say you're going to do and being in a position to close. When you find sellers that want to sell distressed properties or buyers that want to buy, you better treat them like gold because they are your customer. So let's start with the uh, first source of lead generation is code enforcement. My favorite source. I've made a small fortune off of code enforcement time and time and time again because here's the thing. Code enforcement officers have a job to do. Their job is to go out there and solve problems. Here's the deal. Most of the folks that let their property fall into state or into disrepair don't have any money to fix it. That's the problem with being a code enforcement officer. God love them for doing what they do. I couldn't do it. But my point is the folks that they're finding in a lot of cases don't have any money to correct the situation. So if they don't have any money to correct the situation, the only thing that does is make the code enforcement officers job even more of a challenge well you can be a a knight in shining armor or a princess whichever way you want to look at it by solving problems for code enforcement officers but they got to know that you're out there for more than just to make a buck if they think you're some bottom feeder wholesaler or some slimy realtor then that's not really not going to float their boat they need the problem solved they don't need you out there 
asking the moon and the stars for a property and never getting the problem solved. They need you going out there, just diagnosing the issue, finding out what's wrong with it, getting the properties under contract or getting them listed and sold if you're an agent and making it happen. That said, the teardown list, which in some municipalities comes from the code enforcement officers and other municipalities, there's a special department that handles teardowns. Here's the reality, at least in my market, my local market here in the Tampa Bay area, most of the local cities that have a teardown department or a teardown list do not have the funding available to tear down the houses that are on the teardown list. Well, I guess for the guy that's on the teardown list, that's a great thing. But eventually they will come up with the money, right? Eventually somebody will fund that adventure and they will come tear that house down. That would be unfortunate. So to avoid that from happening, you could still provide value. If you are a real estate agent, go get the property listed. Charge a flat fee. Well, I don't do $20,000 listings. Well, look, Mr. Seller, if I could get you $10,000 for your crappy property that you probably got $50 million in fines on, is that something that would make your day? Whatever the number may be, $2,500, five grand, great. When I do that, my flat fee is $10,000 when I'm successful. Are we cool? Yeah, we're cool. So you charge them a flat listing fee. I charge 10 grand, then I'll make your problem go away. Great. Now you find some ding dong who just watched a, fl a flipper show to go give 15 grand for this crappy house. It gets sold, the fines get paid, everybody's happy, problem solved, right? Don't worry, some ding-dong will probably use their home equity line to finance the flip they didn't know how to do in the first place. And the good news is that if you're paying attention, you could sell it again in about six months when they fail. Little sidebar here, guys, little comedy. I'm seeing lots of things on the MLS lately that are highly entertaining. I'm seeing all these photographs popping up of, you know, that bucket of drywall mud and five-gallon bucket of paint and an old, an old stepladder. You know, that's the sign of... The only thing that's missing is the is the wannabe rehabber that's sitting on the on the five gallon bucket, the Homer bucket of paint, going, "I never should have just done this. I should have listened to Tyler. I can't believe I was trying to flip houses. I oh my gosh!" And guess what? Hard money lender got tired of your excuses, came, took the house away. Now they're trying to sell it for a profit. I digress. Code enforcement is an amazing way to get leads. An amazing way to get leads. So get out there. Reach out to your code enforcement officers, but let them know that you are there to help, not that you're there to get rich. Because understand, code enforcement officers aren't making a whole lot of money, right? They work for the government in the city government or county government. They're not making but maybe 30, 40, 50,000 a year. Chump change. And no, you can't bribe them. So don't even think about that. I know some of you are thinking that, so don't think that. You can't bribe them, but you can go out and maybe bring them some donuts maybe uh, order some pizzas someday for lunch and, and feed the workers there, kind of your way of giving back. Be creative. Heck, if they give you a teardown list, send them a nice thank you note with a Starbucks gift card for five bucks. They may not be able to accept it. Maybe they will. Who knows? Don't make it extravagant, but make it meaningful. Sometimes a phone call. You know, I really appreciate you helping me out. Thank you so much. You know, could I don't, I don't know if you guys are allowed to accept commissions, but could I make a donation to your favorite charity instead? Would that be okay? At least offer. When you offer, even if they say no, at least you've offered. That says you're you're a good guy, you're a good girl, and and that goes a long way in in forging relationships and making things happen. That's how leads generate. People know that you are out there solving problems, that you're able to accomplish solving problems, that you are going to get more leads. You know what to do with, especially right within your local code enforcement office. Now the next one and the final one that I'm going to cover in this, and I've got some major nuggets in the next episode as well. But the one I'm going to finish up with this week is going to be, you probably never thought of. And man, I can tell you I made some money doing this one. One of my, probably one of my biggest uh, wholesaler off-market deals that I did was off of this type of a lead. It's a health department. The health department. Health and welfare check records. 
you know, they health and health departments in counties and cities and towns across America, they have workers that sometimes go out and do health and welfare checks on folks. They make sure that they're okay, that they're safe, that they're not shut-ins or that they're, they're being fed or they, they've got access to food and their, their house is in a mess and things like that. These don't exist in every municipality. In some municipalities, it's the local police that handle this. Others, it's the Section 8 office, whoever. But find out who does health and welfare checks on, on, on shut-ins and people like this. Find out who they are and talk to them. Ask them, you know, are there properties that, that you could maybe help these folks by bringing these people, these owners of these beat-up properties, a large chunk of change or a small chunk of change or some pocket change. doesn't matter what kind of change. The fact is that you're bringing change to the community. You're helping these people take action to get, uh, get themselves in a better spot. Right? Maybe it's a big house, and, and maybe the husband died, and the woman's there all by herself, and it, it overcame her. Maybe she started being a hoarder. Maybe her kids moved away and left her by herself, and the house is overwhelming. There's a way you can help. You know, and if you're a good guy, maybe you take a lawnmower on a Saturday afternoon. You go over there and, and mow the front yard to help the poor woman out. Right? I've done that before, and when people start noticing, they're like, what are you doing? Well, I'm cutting the grass. Why are you cutting the grass? Well, because it needed it, and I'm trying to help her out. What do you do? I solve real estate problems. I, I, she her house isn't for sale. I wasn't trying to buy her house. I was trying to cut her front yard. True story. Turns out the guy that was giving me a hard time wound up selling me his house. And guess what I did? I flipped it and I made a killing. There you go. They didn't have to buy it. So that is totally doable. So find out who's doing these health and welfare checks in your local community. Make friends with those people. Reach out to them. Have a conversation. Now, in some unfortunate cases, people get evicted from their homes. Find out the, how that process works. Understand the process intimately. Go sit in the court with the when the health department drags people in there and listen to the case. Number one, it will make you feel a lot more fortunate so you quit being a little snowflake complaining about how bad your life sucks when you realize that these poor people are in a lot worse shape than you. Imagine what a cool guy you would be, your girl, what a great impact you could have on their life if you went out and figured out a way to drop five, ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty thousand dollars in their pocket. You could literally change their life. I'm gonna wrap it right there, folks. Lots of information to cover this week. I'm gonna go ahead and, and end it there and we're gonna pick up the next episode part two of uh how to get leads for your real estate deals will be coming up next week. So stay tuned for that. Lastly, if you have not joined the mastermind, why the heck not? Head over to mailboxmoneymastermind.com. I'm slamming the door shut. I'm not going to keep marketing this forever. It's a small group. Get in now. We're making some pricing changes, making it easier for some folks to get in that, that don't want all the options available to them. Do it now. Do not wait. If you wait, you're going to miss this. This is my last mastermind. I'll leave it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Catch you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.